Hello there, good people of the interwebs. Welcome to episode 47, Murder Hobo, A First World Problem. Quiet, dark, alone, Elbrum listens to the soft swish-swish as silhouette sows strands of night and strands of starlight. The big old red fighting cock crows. Elbrum reaches out to grasp at what lies under the river Nudia. His senses reel within the torrent of a titanic ley line. He maintains his sense of self and searches for his own soul. Can he find it? Can he find that of the rooster? Can he touch the bonds that connect him with the Kajani leaf? The rooster crows again, 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 and again. The Grey Company finds no sleep. "'Tis a pleasant morning, the smell of fresh kaffa and delicious pretzel wafts through the street. On a stoop to their apartment, Calidus battles wit with a street urchin named Vidal. The Princess Karima arrives, but where is Lieutenant Mehmet? Oraki questions the princess. Will she travel to Dabu? Why doesn't she look like other gnolls? And finally, once more, the Grey Company enters... The Growling Sanctuary. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the GM. Come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign, Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is Elbrum, the Asmar Warlock with his sidekick, Silhouette Starfire, and a pretty wrist leaf. Calidus, the elf-marked wizard who replaces his arms with blades. Will he cast another spell? And finally, Oraki, the ineffable female gnoll cleric with a tribe that stands on a precipice. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Cobalt Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Grounds virtual tabletop. So that's the cast. That's the campaign. Now, good people, welcome to the show. Welcome back, people of the interwebs. I'm here again with my good friend Mick to talk about what we did. Well, this time around, it's almost been a week since our last game, just because life. So moving on to what did we do? So in that session, you this was a continuation of downtime. It was like really only a day downtime, but... You guys are back at the apartment. Elbrum, Oraki. This was, in fact, just an Elbrum, Oraki, and Calidus episode because, yes. unfortunately, Ekmenis now has dumped on us. We've lost Kaelin. We've lost Ekmenis. Has, Ekis, oh, I don't know what to say about players that, that drop off. I mean, they're, they're good players. I like the guy who did Ekmenis. I like the guy who did Kaelin. Just life and, and committing to it. Them. Yeah, as always, right? Finding yeah. a stable group. And I, 
you and and the guy who plays Elbrum and the guy that plays Oraki are to me like treasures people who enjoy it and really want I mean they enjoy what's going on they enjoy the story and it's important enough to them that they will make time for it you know, I understand us because we are older in life and stuff like this and it's just a yeah. lot of fun we're just weird there's a lot to be said for unemployment if there was a lot more unemployment in the world there'd be a lot more people to play True enough. True See enough. if they've got jobs. That, and, that usually... and if women weren't invented, then of course they wouldn't have families. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah, women weren't just invented. Be, just be blokes playing oh, good games. Yeah. Her- hermaphrodites. The human oh, no, race I'm just thinking like we'll just get rid of the women and then we'll have one generation and that'll be the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the end of this world. Yeah. So, yeah. Families and jobs, that's what does it. Yeah, it is. Families and yeah, jobs. If you want to be a player, you can't have a family Although, and you can't have a job. found out that the player who did Ekmenis... He was a high school student, and he was going back to high school. High school restarted. So he joined up in the summer vacation, and he had to go as soon as summer vacation okay. was done. So we're going to ban women, jobs, and school now. <laughs> I'm banning school <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. School is interfering with my fun. Yep. Damn it. Kalen, well, he, he said he needed to go and do some... He was working with the local politics or something like this. So politics too. Wouldn't have happened in the 1920s, no. Yep. Wouldn't I don't know. Back then, 1920s, there'd be none of this high school. It'd just be child labor. We'd have them on tap all the time. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly what it would be. Well, and this wouldn't have fun in the 20s because there wouldn't be VTT. Ah, well, I always, I always time shift the technology into the era that I, uh, that I want. Yep. Yeah. That, that, and then that would work. It works really well, yeah. Yep. You'd Although just, it would you'd be... Just, you'd just gather your minions up from the street, those homeless children that can... You'd bring them up to make them great players. I, I still would like to have some women within the campaign just to see how different it would change up the dynamic of... So instead of a guy playing a female, real females playing females and seeing how that dynamic would shift, what would be what would they do when they go into that dungeon or wherever? How would that change? What decisions would become important? It wouldn't make a hooter difference. You don't think so? No. You think it'd still be Murder Hobo? Oh, I, well, if if you look at our group, I don't think we're murder hobos. No. But I, I just don't think that it'd make any difference. I'm not convinced that they... It's hard to say. I, I haven't changed. I mean, all, I, the women that I know, if I mm. could get them to play this game, would be just as nuts as we all are. They'd be just as bizarre. If the, the creative people out there... In Sleeper Island, did you ever play in a session when there was a female? I think I played in one. Oh, you did? I remember the one. I remember a couple. And, and, and interestingly about that, in Sleep for London, played with a female, um, and she just like hands down left the rest of them for dead. So that was like you know, one experience. Was was that the one that was talking, 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 talking? Mm, don't know. I had one episode where there was one female player, and she just she did a lot of talking. Nothing oh. wrong with it, but I liked it because very clearly I could see she talked because. The guys wouldn't talk. They were all very, very quiet. They needed yeah. the guys needed a lot of egging to to in order to start talking. And when she was there, they went even more introverted because that's interesting. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was it was hilarious. And I, I was just sitting there and I was just laughing my ass off in the background because I, I didn't care. If she wanted to go there, every guy had a chance. And I, I know one guy after was like, yeah, she didn't really give me a chance. And I was just like, you take no, the dude, chances you make them. That's up to you. If you don't have the courage 
to make an effort to role play because someone else is, you know, very clearly she would talk because she could hear the silence. And so mm. she would speak up into the silence. It was very clear yeah. to me that I was hearing that. And, I think that's and yet, of... if you choose not to because you are introverted, yeah. you're on a freaking phone. There's no body language involved. There's no, you're not looking at her. I, I, I think What's... that's the thing is that whether it's male or female, there have been mm. lots of games that I've been in where you've got four players yeah. and two of them you don't hear. Mm. Mm. So Very true. And you can walk into a game and there is the one dominant player yep. and within 10 seconds of it it's like yeah there's a one dominant player and there'll be three people who won't say anything yeah and then sort of watch the dynamics roll along yep. and after about four or five minutes i just I, I just you know come in over the top of it and that's it and the dominant player that was there at the start mm. it's almost as they were they were waiting for someone else to play yeah, yeah. and then you just then you just the two of you become the dominant yeah. players yeah and the others don't say anything. I don't know how you actually get people to engage. Well, this is why I liked yeah, our that's... group, because you and Oraki and Elbrum, you guys all equally share the spotlight. Yeah. Even when Kaylin and Akmenis was in, everybody was very... There was nobody who was being silent because they were... Everybody wanted to vocalize. Everybody wanted to role play with each other. It was. I, I really enjoyed it. Whereas I have been, yes, DMing in a bunch of groups where they are... Yeah. You really got to push that person to come up, or or they just never dominate. They just well, and sometimes well, yes, they, maybe, I, I, maybe they're happy to be in the background, right? And, and I think dominate's not a good word to use. Yeah, it really it's, isn't. it's it's whether they're extroverted out there and extroverted yeah, rather yeah. than because dominate yeah. makes it sound like they're putting the other ones down. But it's no, more, it's yeah. not. It's yeah, you've got to speak up. You've got to say something. Yeah, if you got and if unless you're just happy to be there and listening. And then, because I've sitting there in a couple episodes where well, people are just, they encounter something and it's just dead quiet, roll, roll. So like you're just yeah. seeing the results. The DM isn't even saying that there's a hit. They're just very clearly rolling based on what's going on in the combat tracker. And I'm just like, that's not fun for me. I'm just sitting there dead quiet and I'm just like, oh. Mind you, I have, I have been in games where there have been a couple of players that are just off the wall funny. Yeah. And... and my participation has been to... You, you can see where it's going and what they're doing. Yeah. And it's just to feed them a line at any particular point in time that gives them another five minutes of, of lunacy. And, and that's what... Like, this is why I like Acquisitions Incorporated well, because you have your story. Your story's moving forward. Like the Patrick Rothfuss, the Chris Perkins, mm. the Jeremy... I never remember his name. But the three of them very clearly, and the guy who plays Jim Dark Magic, they, they work really well to with each other so that you get in the lunacy but the story can still move forward like yeah. they're still within the bounds of the story not going off and completely going into some no you know there's almost a time limit on it we'll start yeah. big time we'll do three minutes of silly stuff and then we'll get and, and, the story. and they, they do well because at the end of the day you know they've got their three-hour session in front of the very large pax audience and they keep it compacted within that time so I have to wonder, the, the, I always wonder, that how much did Chris Perkins get through what he wanted to in those sessions? Because sometimes, like I remember the one where they... Are, if you watch the endings to them, you, it's almost as though someone walks up and goes, here's the time, you've got two minutes to go, it's a two-minute warning. And then all of a sudden he'll <laughs> say something, we've got an hour and we've got a minute and 45 seconds to go, this is what happens. Yep. And everyone gets one thing to say and that's the end yeah, of the game. Yeah, pretty much. So pretty he may much. not get to the end of what he, what he wants yeah. to do, but they are entertaining. And the other thing about this particular 
playing D&D is, I think, the time thing. Mm. If you go and find games that people play that go this long yeah. or, think, or, or something you can participate in that goes yeah. this long, it's a you know, three or four hour session. There's not a lot of three or four hour things that you can go and do. True enough. You do need the three or four hours in order to do anything. Like I, I listened to a podcast called Eberron Renewed and they, what they do is it's just a one hour episode every week. Yeah. And what they do is they record for three hours and then they just break it, break it up into one hour episodes. But it seems to me the way they do it is they, they probably only are playing once every three weeks. Yeah. And then they just record that three hours. Because I'm just sitting there like, wow, in an hour, they hardly ever seem to get through anything in an hour. Yeah, and if you think about it, like, you know, how many four-hour movies are there that are out there? Normal movies are in for about an hour and a half. We should go and try and find people that play golf and convert them across because that's a sport that goes on forever. Yeah. But there's very few things that run three to four hours. Three to four hours. And that can hold it in tension. But at, yeah. at the end of the day, I think the dynamic that we have for sure really, really works because it is within that three hours, four, four hours, we do seem to accomplish quite a bit. I, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, maybe not enough, but it does fill that episode. Like, for example, this one here started out in the apartment. You guys are, it's late at night. Elbrum's got his chicken and we finally find out what the whole chicken business was about. So why did he go and buy that big red cock? Well, he wanted to have it because when you guys were in the pyramid, you learned a few things. You and Oraki and Kalen learned rune magic. You were within the, the giant mural wall and certain runes came out to you guys. And so now you guys each have a rune that you, that you understand. Whereas Elbrum, the whole purpose for him being in there was that, and there was a slight pushing from Silhouette on this, was that he learned a little bit about ley lines. So he became a ley line initiate, whereas you guys basically became rune magicians as well. So he wanted to use what he learned because he hadn't to this point done anything with the ley lines at all. So he wanted the chicken, the rooster, because he wanted to try to, via the ley lines, to get a sense of the chicken's soul. <laughs> because his intention is he, he is absolutely, as a character, that leaf that's growing from him, it needs to go, it needs to go, it needs to go. So his first and second attempt didn't work. His third attempt is now, okay, I understand it's bonded with my soul. I need to understand more about souls. So here's my chicken. What can I do? I'm going to sit here and meditate, get a, a feeling for the ley lines and try to sense the soul of this rooster. So he didn't get that far. He, he managed to at least uh, sense his own soul, but he didn't manage to connect with the rooster. So the rooster Probably kept you guys... Probably had something to do with the fact that we caught calling it the big red cock and that was good for at yeah. least an hour of stupidity. Yeah. And then, of course, what are you going to do with that big red cock now that it's night has come and stuff like this? So yeah. I kept playing a bunch of chicken sounds in the background. And speaking... <laughs> And uh, uh, that reminds me. So with the sounds that we do, uh, you know, using a mixer, using the background sounds. And, and here's the thing. Like I compare what we got going using a mixer compared with some of the other guys who use virtual cables and whatnot. And we get a lot of compliments. One of the big mm. things that we get a lot of compliments about is the sounds in one of the sessions that we do whether it's from Sleeper Island or from... from yeah. the, with, with our own game, it's just 
commonplace now. That's just how we do it. So we would be, you guys we, we, don't we comment on it. We would be disappointed it. if we didn't have the sounds now. Yeah. So, well, yeah. In Sleeper Island, I always hear about, oh, wow, that was, that was so awesome in Dagobah Session because of the sound. So one part is the sound application or extension that Deluxe Oz created that allows me to create triggers so that when you're swinging your axe and you smack into something, there's the, the blood gore sound. So those are based off of triggers. The other is my ability then as ambient noise to play an ambient song, ambient sound. You guys are in a yep. cave, cave sound, dripping water. Or it's nighttime and the bloody rooster is keeping you guys up at night. So play a bunch of rooster noises and chickens clucking. clucking. So yeah, and that works really, really well. And the sound levels come across really, really well. At least I hope they come across really well for you guys. I, I can never tell because for me, it's crystal dang clear. And sometimes I think it's almost too much on my side. But on your guys' side, I'm always concerned, you know, are the levels enough because it's going across the internet and that's gone. But no, anyway, if you don't like it, you turn it off. Well, you guys can't now because previously I used to have it so that I had two Discord connections. One was a sound Discord and one was me talking. Now that I use the digital mixer, I don't bother with mm. that because they can all happen through my one channel mm. and I can drop off the ambient sound or the sound effects as, as required. And this is, you know, like in a couple of other guys' sessions, they still use the other Discord channel and the sounds are so dang intense that, yeah, yeah I, I turn them off because I, it's just too much. Yeah. If I, I'm sitting there and the ambient sound is too high, oh, it's just so distracting. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, I, I included a lot of... Back to the chicken. Chicken noises at nighttime and how it's keeping you guys up. And, and of course, that, that works. When you do stuff like that, when you're like... When the, the players do something and you create an event around it, it helps the immersion. So you've got a chicken. Okay, great. I'm going to do... My reason for this chicken is, is I got to go in there and learn about souls. All right. So the consequence of that now is that everybody stays awake at night because the dang chicken's clucking. Yeah. And how do they get to sleep? So, you know, as a DM taking a situation the characters have created and then creating an effect off of that or, or some kind of a consequence. And, and that's, to me, that's the good thing about DMing is consequences to the decisions. So if you decide to do something, what is, I mean, and it's the players can too. You can also create your own consequences from the point of view of, well, All he right. did, didn't he? I mean, he had the chicken in his bedroom and then he put it outside. Then he put it outside. Yeah, yeah. and that kept us awake all night. Yep. But I mean, otherwise too, like as a player, I enjoyed this session I was telling you about recently. The DM, brand new characters, level ones, starting out a new game. And I played up the point of, well, we were, we were forced into a situation where there's these, these bandits beating up on this other guy. And the reality is, is as players, we wanted to rob that guy, but there was these bandits already on him. So we killed the bandits. I played up the point of view of this was the first time my character killed. So the cause was we had a fight and I as a player made my own consequence, which was this ridiculous reaction over having to kill someone, which is as a player in any game that I've played, whether it was murder hobo or not, mm. everybody kills other humans indiscriminately. Not often do I hear, even, even streaming on the stuff that gets streamed, do I often hear where it's a brand new stream where a character kills another humanoid that they think anything of it. It's so, it's so well ingrained in us that, yeah, okay, this is a game. Death is a part of this game. Pfft, I just killed. doesn't matter that it was first time or not. It's just glossed over. So I wanted to make a point of not glossing over it. So to me, yes, you have 
the opportunity I would, I would of say creating consequences to yourself. As my children would say, first world problem. Yeah, very true. First <laughs> yeah, world problem. First world problem. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if, it, if it was um, you know, 1066 and the Black Plague was running rampant through our area. Yeah, true enough. Yeah, death would be just, yeah, that'd be all around you. You'd just go, yeah, fine. Yep. Point is, chicken, consequence of the chicken with the clocking at night Lack was it disturbed you guys. Now, of course, I didn't let this mean go into the effect of of having exhaustion or anything like this. But the point was is making a consequence from a decision a player a player created. Now, I, I, that's one of the things I do enjoy doing. The other thing that I had happen too was as he was finished with his chicken and taking it out, I played up something that Silhouette was doing, and I was curious to see if anybody made any comment. Now I know. From the point of view of in the game, in character, you and Oraki were asleep. But I wanted to see, I did something with Silhouette that I wanted to see if anybody questioned or said anything out of character. Nobody said a thing. And this was where I had Silhouette sewing. So she was creating something and she was pulling strands of night and pulling strands of starlight and creating something with it. But yeah, nobody nobody commented out of that. And I was, I was kind of hoping that someone would. Yeah, one of those things. Well, we can go out of character. We can, you know. Yeah, true enough. Uh, you can, can go out of character. But I, I, I was excited to see if, if something like, would happen, but no. Was it, it, yeah. Well, you can tell us all now. No, I'm not going to tell you guys oh, all now. Come on. It's, it's going to create. Because if we'd asked the question, if, then you would have said the same thing. You're asleep. You can't, you can't know that. Yeah, I would have. I would have. But I, I would have, I I would have I, liked to, to have seen. I think we're know. well enough trained to know that any of these things that, that occur that we're not supposed to see, that we sort of go, yeah, okay. That's... Yeah, that is true. I, and, I, I and do. We will, I do that. And we you're not there. And when the notes. And when, <laughs> and when, we, do the, when we do the intro of the game and we read the notes. Yeah. You always find these lumps of, of things, like Iraqi reads notes about things that he shouldn't know about. Like, yeah. 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 Uh, that's true. And so does Elvin does the same thing. Yep. So, anyways, the night passes. It's now the next morning. You guys decide yes. that you're going to wake up at six o'clock because you want to have a conversation with the, the coffee, the, the kaffa, the kaffa lad who goes around selling the, the, they got the guys with the pretzels. And this is funny because to me, this is me taking my time of living in Turkey and remembering what did I experience in Turkey. And yes, now there was never girls. It was always boys Hmm. who would run around with silver trays of usually chai coffee. No, not, not usually not coffee. That was me ad libbing it in this game, but it was always chai and pretzels. They would have like big plates of, of pretzels on their head, just freshly baked. And of course they're like, they're like a hand sized pretzels, the Mm -hmm. proper size, not the, you know, in a bag of chips type pretzels that are dry as can be. And you would eat the pretzels with cream cheese and it was freaking delicious. So, you know, I tried to create that. So the coffee boy comes in and... You, you do know that every time you try and do a food thing with us, it's like an epic fail because we all just start drooling and then we can't go to the kitchen because we're online. Yeah. And we yeah, have to yeah. wait until you give us a break. Yeah, wait for a break. Yeah, and so we like... actually mark you down for doing food stuff. True enough. Yeah. I need to go and now make a cup of tea and get a pretzel now. <laughs> well, you see, and that's the thing is, you know, oh, I, 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 I was telling Valentina about these pretzels and she's like, where can I find one? I was just like, yeah. in Turkey. God, I've got to actually, these are one of those things, you know, get off off my ass. I learned how to make apple pies because I had some downtime and my family always used to make apple pies. I'd never had a, a properly made apple pie. So I had to do it myself and a properly made pretzel shit. 
better learn how to do that too. Anyway, the next day, the coffee boy comes and that, that was a fiasco too because I was sitting there thinking I had some notes about an urchin. What would an urchin be like? How would their attitude be? So I, I tried to play that. And it was so funny because, so you, you came, Calidus came in. I'll give you a silver piece. And this little cocksure boy, he's like, I'm not going to give you that for a cop or a silver piece. He's very clear. Actually, I should ask this question. What did you think? Me, I thought that I thought you played it incredibly badly because I don't think <laughs> I don't think I don't think urchins. I I can't imagine the urchins would be that refusing a silver and. and I think that I think the difference between the copper for the coffee and the silver for the information. Yep. That's about the right the right spacing. You think so? And I think that you were just way too greedy. Your first urchin was just way too greedy. Way too greedy. Yeah, way too greedy and way too arrogant. So he didn't. He didn't milk it. The second urchin, see, he was far more on the ball, but the first mm. urchin pushed way too hard. Well, again, I, I, and, and I would have thought urchins would be smarter than that. They would have, they wouldn't, oh, they would have, the, they would have the, the middle kids that I met. So, on the beaches in India and like in the big, big freaking temples yeah. in in Turkey, the ones that the kids that were that spoke English really, really well. Yeah. And which was shocking to me, you know, you'd go on a beach of, on India and more often than not, very, very broken English, just trying to sell whatever. And the kids, though, that, that had a knack and somehow against all odds, they really picked up the language mm. and they could sit there and they were witty as hell, try to get you to buy something. Yep. It just blew my mind. And they were, and whether it was in and, Turkey or whether it was in India, those kids that were that that learned the lingo were so cocksure of themselves. And I mm -hmm. think that comes from the fact that they did well with foreigners because they were witty and they could communicate well. And because of that, that's what they were. So they would be able to get the, the extra cash because of their wit and you'd be but, so impressed. But, but, but so I was trying to bring when, that into the what game. What happened but, when you shut them down and said, I'm not paying you that much? Oh, they were, they? they were witty as hell. Like, for example, the boy. I remember the boy. So I was in... Istanbul, and I forget what the name of the, the big mosque is that everybody goes to see. So I was there, and there was this boy selling postcards with mm -hmm. pictures. And they were very, very nice. And ultimately, I did buy some because he came up, and he's just like, of course, I was trying to be witty myself. And he came up, and he's like very clear English and stuff like this. And he's like, hey, man, so where are you from? And I was like, yeah, well, I, I live in Ankara. He's like, I didn't ask you where you live. I asked you where you're from. And I was just like, Good point. <laughs> you got me there. Well done. So yeah, I mean, and, and then it's just certain things and it didn't, at those points, it didn't really matter what that kid was asking. I was going to buy from them just because I was so impressed at how well they were able to handle it. And same thing like in the beaches of, of Goa in India, little girl, she was just good. And so I had no reason to buy a thing of henna. Yeah, I, I just I don't use henna. I didn't. I was bald at that time. I, it, why would I use henna? And I mean, I'm not artistic enough to put henna yeah. tattoos or anything like this. No reason at all for me to buy henna. But yeah, she was just so, so witty and so communicated so well that yeah, she convinced me that I was good. That I really need to buy this little, bottle little of bottle of freaking henna. <laughs> and and that's the point. So I was trying to bring that into the an urchin. The point was was that. 
what I wanted this character to be was cocksure of himself, full of himself, mm. and being like, yeah, you want information? Look. You know, the first thing was, was first thing Kalidus does is, what's your name? I'm not telling you my name. Why yeah, would I tell you my and name? That was the, like, that was it. It was yep. good night, Gracie, from there on in. Because at that, if, if Kalidus sees it as being, like I see it, yeah. it's a partnership. Yep. Life is a partnership, and the people you meet, they're, you're in a partnership with them. And if they're starting, yeah. state, if the first thing that comes out of their mouth is adversarial, yep. then it's good night, Gracie. So this urchin had lost from the response of what's your name yeah it lost actually early yeah, in that yeah so that was the end of that yeah and the thing is too is like i can see where you're coming from and why that would be but yeah getting names from from the kids in the streets and stuff like that it was never something that was well to be honest i'm just trying to sit there and think like did i ever as a tourist it was only with the ones that that were really really good at communicating that i was just like so who are you what's your name at that point we'd establish a relationship. But at the beginning, I was never, ever really looking for something for them. They would come to me. And the ones that didn't communicate, and this is just me as a tourist. And interestingly, because that, how I, that's exactly how I saw this. The starting point was you come to me, um, you ask me something, I ask you a question. Mm. You have to communicate with me yep. before I'm going to buy something from yep. you. And this was a, a straight and, out. And, and here's this the thing not, too. This was not a communication I that, have, that was a straight out he, shut down, you he, stupid he, old he, wizard bloke. I am not going to talk to you. Here's the first thing that I had here, urchins. Quite antisocial to any adult yeah. that is not immediately talking to them without displaying coins. And adult must get at least a, a DC-13 charisma check in order for that person to be willing to communicate with them in anything that is social. Take so up. those were my notes. And right from the beginning, I think, I rolled I think one on charisma. Yeah, your, your charisma check was really, really bad. So from the get-go, he was going to be antisocial. And, and this is one I of those actually, things it's, too it's where... It's interesting because I, I would have thought, my, my response, my expectation from an urchin is that you won't be antisocial because your livelihood depends on you being social. And so when I meet people that are like this, and so you look at the um, people that are panhandling in... Um, capital cities in Australia, you know, the homeless people. Yep, they are very sociable. They know that well, that they here's they can't the reason, approach you with an arrogant attitude. Well, here's the thing that the why you would be antisocial to adults. So, in those street gangs, specifically in India, because I spoke a long time with that girl, I met her on many occasions to find out more about her. What they did is so they belonged to a family. Hmm. The parents weren't her real parents. That family was twenty kids. Yep. They ran the kid gang. Mm -hmm. And so what they did with the kids was, and the funny thing is, is I've read this too in some stories as well. Specifically, I think of Orson Scott Card. He writes a novel about the Ender's Game, which they made into a movie. And they talk about one of the characters about growing up in the street. And he painted the same picture, which, which I thought was surprising. So I think he did the research. But yes, kids would belong to these gangs where adults would run that gang. And the kids weren't friends. The parents of these gangs made sure that the kids, you sold anything, another kid would be watching you and be seeing, oh, they made a sale. Well, how much did you make? So that the parents would know everything. So you couldn't squirrel away money unless you were on it in order to, to hide it from the parents because they would collect. And so they had the kids against each other. So being antisocial from the point of view of you're an adult, 
they knew that the adults would use them. So it would take an exceptional kid who was very savvy to get around that. And that's why, like for me, with, with that girl, what I did was once I understood what was going on, I was like, we're going to go to, I forget the name of the city. So we were in, in Goa. There was the capital city of Goa, which is the state. We took the girl to Goa to buy some dresses because if it was money, if you gave her money, the other kids would rat her out and mm. the money would go back to the parents. So you couldn't give her money and it stay in her pocket. So, but a dress she could keep. Yep. If you gave her fabric, the fabric would go well, to the parents. Sold. It had to be a It dress. had to be an end user item that could be used only by her. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And then the crappy part was, was I remember the day we were supposed to meet her. We ended up staying in Goa, me and my travel companion, we stayed in Goa for an extra couple of days because the day that we were supposed to go to the city, I couldn't find the girl. And this was a crappy thing. That morning, she was on the beach trying to sell to some yeah. other tourist. There was a cliff on the beach. She fell off the cliff and broke her collarbone. Oh, no. And I felt so bad. So the next couple of days, I didn't see her. Uh, but she so, so wanted to go. The other kids, their English was enough that they could communicate to me what happened and that she, she was really, really anxious to go. So even though she had a broken collarbone two days later, she wanted to come with us. And so we still took her to the city to buy that dress. There you go. The point that I'm getting at is more often than not, their experience with adults had been usually skewed. Bad. So they tended to be very off-put by adults. And that's what I tried to bring across here was that very skeptical about anything an adult wants unless there's coins first type deal. And so that's what yeah. I tried to do. And it was really good. I know from my point of view, I thought that encounter was fun. But I know you're like, Ciao, coffee boy. Yeah, off you go. Here's the door. Yeah, no, was... Hitting you back of the head on the way out. That's it. Yeah. Thanks very and much. Oraki and Elbrum, silent as can be, this was Calidus. Didn't want to know. And so after that, you guys went out because you were waiting for Mehmet and, and Princess Karima to arrive. Yep. And so those two guys decided they took the chicken out to the wharf to feed the freaking chicken. And you sat on the steps uh, waiting for the next urchin to come by. And, and you waved your hand and eventually got an urchin to come across and this one was a little bit more amendable to, to social yeah what was the question that you wanted to know from them i just told them i wanted information on a regular you basis. wanted information on a regular basis but you were specifically yeah. asking about so oraki wanted to speak to the urchin because she wanted to know if they had observed anybody entering the apartment with yeah. regard to the whole daryl situation and the the note from that person called milo when you asked, you specifically wanted to know about what did they know about the Griffins that had flew off from the Linus district? Yeah. My whole reason for having a conversation is not to know anything specific. It's to build a relationship so that the better the information you give me, the more money I'll give you. Yeah. And, and that has to start with a question of what do you know? And I already know the answer to that. I already know they've gone off to fly out west to, or out east to do their thing, to fight off the Tuscali. That was the... That's what you've heard so far. Yes. That's what I've heard so far. Yep. And so do I need to know what they're doing? No, I just need to have an urchin to start bringing me the word on the street, what's going on. And so that's where, that's from what where it's, that's from where what it's going. what they've observed, yeah. yeah. So and, and, and you're, and and you're willing to absolute, pay them a silver a day for yeah, whatever and I learned absolutely here. nothing from the first no, encounter. No, you didn't. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see what tomorrow brings. Yeah. But I was surprised and, too. And you, again, you, you, didn't, you didn't do anything with your 
the inks that you bought. I, I really thought you were going to do some try your hand at transcribing, but you didn't do any transcribing. No, that's on the list of things to be done. Yep. Yeah, get around to that. There's not. I mean, I don't have anything to gain. There's, there's not from transcribing spells from oh, for what sure. I've got. No, no. When you look at what they are, they're, they're not. You know, here's something else that I, I learned as well with regard to spell casting that I think is interesting. So, when it comes down to being a, a wizard and doing a ritual spell, so like at the beginning of the day, let's say your intelligence is you get like a plus three on your intelligence. So that means you get at level three. I think that means you get six spells that you can prepare for the day. So mm. level three plus your intelligence, intelligence modifier, modifier plus three, you can memorize six spells for the day. Mm. So if you've got like 12 spells in your spell book, you choose the six that you're going to prepare for the day. Mm. And typically you don't choose your ritual spells as the prepared ones, because if you're no. going to do a non-combat spell, you do it as a ritual and it's yeah. in your spell book, you can just do it. Now as a cleric, and if I'm a cleric or a druid, and let's say I have a spell for identify, I cannot cast a ritual identify spell unless I've prepared for it. So a cleric prays and their god grants them. So I pray, I want... So they, they have a list of, let's say, level one spells. There's 20 spells in level one. And say their, their wisdom modifier is a three and they're a level one. So they get four level yeah. one spells that they can prepare. And those would be the spells. If they do not choose that ritual spell, they cannot ever cast that ritual spell unless it's one of the ones that mm. they choose. So the difference is, is that they can choose that as one of the four, and then they can cast it and not use it as a spell slot, but it must be one of the four choices that they have. And the same for a druid. A druid does meditation, cleric does prayer. So the distinction between them and the wizard is that the wizard doesn't have to be use that as one of the selected yeah. spells. It can be available to them so long as it's in their spell book. They can cast it yeah. whenever they have downtime to cast it. So that's why a wizard becomes really, really valuable because they've got that tw 12 mm. spells. And if six of those spells are all rituals, they can cast them whenever and they don't actually have to be one of the memorized spells that they prepare. Whereas mm. druids and clerics, yes, they must yeah. pray for it or meditate on it to have it. So, yeah. so Calidus has got... I think he's a, what am I, five and three, he's got, I might have nine. Yeah, I think I'm at levels, nine. you're now to level, six. well, no, only Elbrum got to level six because so Moraki and Kalidus had missed a few days, so you guys are still at five, although in this session, you guys will be able to level up to six on this, yeah. this coming week. Anyway, when I add them all up and you chuck the cantrips in and all the other stuff that's in there, I think there's, I think it's five, it could be nine. No, I think, I one think, was, I think you should be level six now. With an intelligence of plus three, yeah, yeah, you're. I think you're ten. Am I? I, I think I've only got nine you can, for some reason. Anyway, I've got nine, and I've, and two of them, are, as you say, two of them are rich. And then you've got the two rituals on top of that. That brings a total to eleven. Yeah, so but in your in your book, I think you've got got about thirteen in the book. Yeah, thirteen, and you've got that other spell book that you need to transcribe. So if you could transcribe the other spell book, then all of a sudden mm -hmm. your spell book has got like yeah twenty spells. I, I look it. at the spells that. The combination that's available, yeah, and it's almost some of them. Even if you could transcribe them, you wouldn't use them anyway. And I think that's where I've got to. I've got to the stage of, I look at the other spells that are available, and would I ever use it? No. You see, that's just it for me. It's it's imagination, right? And like I look at my spells, like mending. When do you really ever use mending? And I'm just like, I've got the spell. 
when I was setting up the the character for the, the Tuesday session that I'm in, I was just thinking, well, who is this character? And I want to choose power spells, but I was just like, would this guy choose? No, I mean, so I'm not out to set up a powerful character. I want to play up this character. So he's got some ridiculous spells that have nothing to do with combat at all. And I look for every opportunity I can to milk that crap because why not? Just I think Kalidus is, I mean, when you look at how Kalidus plays, yeah. there is a lot of, he's always standing in the front line when he should be standing in the back line. Yep. It happened again. Yep. So my spells are front line spells and combat spells rather than the other ones. And I look at the other ones and go, yeah, okay. You're right. I, if Kalidus wasn't standing in the front line all the time, Mm. then it would be a different collection of spells. And this is the thing, too, is that even though you're in the front line, if you're going to be in the front line and be in the wizard, you've got to make sure that you're armored and have the armor as it stands right now. You've not chosen the things that you would need to do in order to be an armored wizard in the front line. So you are yeah. an easy target. And, and this is eventually and, what happened. Cause look, and I seem you, to find myself in the front line by accident more often than not. Well, not by design. You 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 drank, you ate the special at the at Crimson Nibblers, and yeah. all of a sudden your left arm becomes a knife. Yeah, and there's like absolutely no value to that. And I played that up too because when you woke up, you'd cut yourself up in a night. A head. You sliced you sliced open your dark weave your beautiful dark weave clothes. I was bleeding all over the floor. Yep. Yeah. So that hasn't worked out to your advantage, but when it came to a fight scenario. <laughs> I was just... Uh, I can stab stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we dragged Akmenos along this time because even though he's now officially gone, he is the fourth character that was being dragged along and basically becomes fodder for whatever combat scenario that's there. Let's just throw Akmenos in front. And in this particular case, when combat did come, he did roll a crit, and that crit was extremely effective. I looked at that combat and thought, there's no way we should have won that. Oh no, you, easily is level fives. You guys would, to me, it wasn't the challenge. But you up front dying for being up front? Yeah, of course you're going to die. You're an easy target. You're the, I'm sitting there. If I'm a bad guy and I'm smart, I see a guy in an armor and I see a guy in robes. Yeah, I'm going to kill the guy in robes. Absolutely. Mm. I know I'm going to be able to hit the guy in robes. If I try yeah. to swing at the guy in armor, my attacks are going to glance off his yeah. armor. I was on the wrong side of the pond. For sure. Yep. For sure. Anything that anything that's intelligent. The problem was that I was never going to get to the. I was never going to get to be in the right place. I'd gone down. I mean, I'd just gone down to a place that before this guy appeared, I'd gone down the wall to look down the other side, and there was there's no way I had enough speed to get away from him, given where he appeared. This is the amusing thing. You guys arrived in this chamber. You know that this creature is down in a river, and you're like, well, let's bait him out. Well, let's cluck like a chicken. That'll get him out. And I'm just sitting there thinking, scratching my head, clucking like a chicken is going to... Do absolutely nothing. Oh, and I was just like, okay. Yeah, but it keeps in the theme of the big red cock. Yeah, it, it did. So we were staying in theme. You were trying to stay in theme. We're staying in the big red cock theme. And it didn't serve you it didn't at all. didn't work at all. No. No, but, but here's the thing, though. is like, for me, if I'm playing a wizard that is just soft and an easy target... No, I'm not going up front. I don't care. You guys want to attract it out. If I've got a spell, okay, I'll shoot a fire bolt at the, the yeah. sand and see if it draws it out. But yeah, no, I'm not going anywhere near where I can get hit first because I'm wearing robes, guys. That thing can just pee and it's going to hit me. 
That's part of Calidus's magic. Mm. He's just... He gets involved in things that he shouldn't get involved in. He sticks his head in where he shouldn't stick his head in. And at the time, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, it really shouldn't be me. This no. is the, the out-of-character moment thinking, it shouldn't be me that's stirring the sand with your fake no. arm. It nope. should be someone else. That's right. But it didn't seem to be coming. It didn't seem to be that the, the suggestion. Well, no yes, one well, had sort of said, you that, know, okay, well, let's stir up the sand and see what comes out. Well, this, this is where you've got to be like, guys, what's the plan here? I'm not going near that. Yeah. Anyway, Calidus always goes near the things he shouldn't. Yeah. Well, yeah. at least you guys had Ikmenis. Like, you guys decided yeah. where you were going to have him. So you did have him standing right by the hole, ready to smack anything that came out of the hole. That's so th- that was Calidus, uh, some I think, smart planning. Calidus, I think, works on the theory that if you give him a box of matches, he's, he's going to be able to set himself on fire somehow. Yeah, yeah somehow. He's smart. He's smart and he's dumb. Stupid. Oh, th- no, Unbelievably is, where... stupid. This is the, the difference between intelligence. I always thought intelligence is book smarts. Wisdom is the application of book smarts. So you can be smart as a lick and understand all, all of these words that are in some foreign language, but the meaning behind the words, that's wisdom. Yep. So, anyways. We bait the creature, he comes out, he kills me. Twice, well, no, no, twice I think he killed dial me. dial back. So the other part that I have marked in big letters here that we found out was... Prior to you guys heading back was um, before the Mehmet and Princess Cream arrived was that you guys learned that Oraki sleeps in the buff. That was a statement that came out that I highlighted because I was like, okay, all right, that was interesting. Yeah. Sure, great. I was a bit slow on that one because I had my brain's going dry, wrinkly, old, saggy. <laughs> so I was like, where, and, where and did that got, come from? And you got what? all of these adjectives together, and you're thinking, I just need to stick a nail on the end of it. I've got a one-liner here, and yep. then. But the problem with that was that that. Iraqi sleeps in the buff, and then she ran a line, yep. and then Elbram ran a line, and then Iraqi ran another line, and it's like too late for me then. Yep, they yep. were. That was yeah. Because it, it came about. Iraqi sleeps you know, in the You know what are you guys? What are you guys going to? The chickens clucking at night. What do you guys do or things like this? And, and that's where Iraqi is like. Yeah, I just sleep in the buff. I was like, yeah. Uh, all right. Okay. I guess I we all need psychological help after seeing that. Yeah. Like, I visualize that and go, oh my god. But anyways, so you guys dealt with the urchins. You eventually got one guy that you managed to foster some cash off some of. Some kind of relationship. And he told you a little bit of this. And eventually you guys hung out until Princess Karima arrived and Mehmet did not arrive with Princess Karima. So you guys started having your questions with her. Do you remember some of the things that were discussed? Yeah, why my system kept crashing. Oh, yeah, shit. That was your... Uh, your we should probably work on that one, figure that out, what was going on. But yeah, so the thing was, I remember one part of that was you were talking to Karima about the Tuscali. And again, Oraki's like... In my language, we call we don't call them Tuscali. We call them... Oh, God, what was it? Scoot, Scooter Rama or some Some ridiculous word. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was just this little bit of amusing anecdote that she came up with was just like having a conversation. It's like, oh, yeah, we don't call him Tuscali. We call him the Scudabama or something like this. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was another little Orakiism <laughs> that just came out at just the right time. That was funny. But, yeah, so you, she came across and Mehmet wasn't there. Do you remember what, uh, what she said, why Mehmet wasn't there? No. So I think this was the point at which I was banging on my computer with a shoe. Yeah. She was saying that 
she was meeting with Mehmet the evening before, and then Mehmet received a message, and he had to take off. What was the message? She didn't know what the message was because it wasn't something that she heard. Where did he go? So you remember, he's lieutenant. He's a lieutenant, and he runs the wharf district, but he was also part of the Sky Guard. Mm-hmm. The Sky Guard is... Now, I didn't tell you guys in session. I was is hoping... Is the Sky to... Guard the guys on the... Are they the guys on the rugs that were flying around? No. What were they called? What was that called? Those were the, the mer- merchant guild guys. The merchant guard. Working okay. in, in cahoots the, with what's the... What's the Sky Guard? The Griffins. Okay, so the Sky Guard was... I knew there was a Sky Guard somewhere that I'd yeah. heard of before. Oh, so that's the Griffins that went flying off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Oh, hang on. They, when did he get called away? Just before called, the Griffins took just off. Just before they took off. Yes. And they're the Sky Guard. And he's the Sky Guard. They're part of the Sky Guard, yes. He is. And, and he's not a Griffin, though, is And he? you guys didn't catch that because I did mention the Sky so Guard a couple times, but not, nobody caught on to that so he's, gone out, he's gone out to the east. He was one of the, the guys Griffins. that was called off, yes. Ah. Anyways, so, so I should she, have waved at him and said, goodbye, Mehmet, good luck. Yep. Don't come back dead. Yep. So he is one oh. of the ones that went off. So she didn't know where oh, that he went. that would be a good conversation to have too. Could find out if our heat was out there too while he was mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so Oraki was asking, okay, I've had this vision. I mean, are we still on board? And Karima was like, absolutely. And then Oraki was trying to dig into her about her history. And so she was asking, do you know this guy? And she's like, no, I, I don't know this guy. Because in the vision that Oraki had, like you and Oraki have these big backstories. So inside Oraki's backstory, she's got like her entire tribe. Mm. At one point in Discord, I had sent the vision that she had. I explained the vision and I tied a part of that vision to one of her tribe mates that was old and had some issues. And so in the vision, that was the same vision that she had where she was with Karima. So she wanted to know, hey, are you related? And this is where you guys found out that because one of the other things she was asking is, why don't you look like me? And so Karima was explaining, well, I don't know much. My mom left when I was an infant, so I really don't know. I have no idea who my father was. But, you know, there's been jokes that my father is Quansi. And Quansi is one of the gods of the desert. And so this is why potentially she looks the way she is and why she is very attractive, even across species, is potentially maybe could be. Or it could be just rumor because she just laughed it off as like, yeah, this just it's this old joke. She's still very keen on going with Oraki to see the the restless prophet or the wandering prophet, as Oraki calls him. Hmm. So that was still something that Oraki was clear on, and of course she was like, well, you know, Mehmet's gone and stuff like this. What did Oraki ask something else? Oh, right, Oraki was also wanting to know if she knew anything about. The other knolls that you guys encountered were the knolls in the pyramid. And so Oraki wrote down the name of those knolls, which was the Screaming Hunters. And she was like, do you know the Screaming Hunters as well, who are also knolls that come from Daboon? And so the one thing she learned was that Karima considered the knolls from Dabu as all savages, whereas mm-hmm. the knolls that lived in Perbaset are much more civilized. She's racist. Kind of, yeah, discriminatory. Yeah. Yep, yep. And of course, when you guys were talking about Quansi, both you and Elbrum were like, do I know who that is? And you rolled shit, whereas Elbrum rolled okay. So Elbrum understood that it was a god from the desert. The other thing too is that 
the gods in the Southlands, so it might be called Quansi in the Southlands, but if you lived in Norway, in the Nordic countries, that's it's the same god, but his, the name is different. In the Nordic countries, Quansi is Loki. That's a cool part. Like I like, this is one of the reasons why I like Midgard, is they take Africa and Europe, and so this is all about Africa and Europe, but if magic persisted over science. So the gods, traditional gods, the Nordic gods, like the, the Odin and whatnot, they tie Odin with the Italian pantheon, the Greek pantheon, and the African pantheon. So it might be Loki up there, but it's Quansi down here, and over here it's, I forget in Greek mythology who that would be, but in the books, the campaign settings books, they say this is the name in Southlands, but if up north it would be this. Mm. So they got four four different names for Quansi, and I only recognized Loki. The other three, I have no idea where they got that from. Kobold Press does a lot of research when they're doing this stuff, so I thought that was impressive. But yes, and ultimately, at the end of the day, she was just like, okay, so are we going to head back into the into the Growling Sanctuary? And yeah, you guys did. So this is where you guys did go into the Growling Sanctuary. You went back in there to the main room. There was nothing. The sisters weren't there. You guys were very careful. Everything went by lickety-split. You got there. Your your ropes were still in place. You went down. You cast sand breathing because you had it prepared so everybody could breathe in the sand. You all went down. You entered, and it was quiet, quiet, quiet. And you eventually just got to the room where you had died. And this is where, yes, okay, we got to attract this thing out. We got to get it on our land. We can't go and fight it in the sand. So you guys to try to bring it out, and this is where you, the first thought was, okay, Let's get Ekmenis to stand by the entrance and swing if anything comes out. And who was it that was going to cluck like a chicken? One of Me. you guys. Oh, I was, was going to cluck like a chicken. That was Calidus. I'm going to do a performance check and cluck like a chicken. And that didn't work. No. And then so let's stick my knife hand into the sand and see, stir it around for a bit and see if that works. And yeah, that was enough. And so it came bursting up out of the entrance and yes. the battle started. And of yeah. course, Calidus was right there. And so the question was, was, was everybody ready? The way I looked at it was you had your left arm was inside the sand, stirring it around. I tried to paint a picture of feeling that the sand, the motion of the sand as you're moving it through started to change mm. from the point of being, okay, my thinking would be, how would you guys react? If the sand started to change, how would you react? So everybody got a surprise attack as it burst out. So Akmena swung, Elbram sent a blast, and I forget what Oraki did. Oh, I think Oraki tried to stab it with her javelin. Her and her damn javelin. Ah, I don't know. But, and then of course you weren't able to get back well enough because of course, as a wizard, the only spells that you can cast normally when you are face-to-face -face with something is spells that require touch. And there's very, very few spells that deal damage as a wizard that are touch-based. Mm. Most of them all require distance. So yeah. yeah, you weren't very effective. And at the end, a couple swings from it and you and you were down. And Oraki was healing you. And then Elbram and Ekmenis had a couple. I think altogether there was, was something like crits. three crits. And between those three crits, you guys did something close to like 80 points of damage. Mm. And at the end of the day, it was just one more hit was all that was required. It had like one hit point left. Mm. I think 
you were the only guy who suffered any damage from that battle at all. Everybody else was perfectly okay. Yep. It's to be expected. But it died. It died. It died. We were victorious. Victorious. We had to end it there because at the end of the day, it was another three-hour session, but that last bit, the actual place where the combat happened, that was really only in the last half hour of the session. Mm. The majority of the session was dealing with Ekmenis, sorry, dealing with Elbrom trying to use the chicken and then the conversation with Karima and the conversation with the urgents. And surprisingly, I mean, those, the amount of role-playing that you guys do, which I enjoy a lot, that that ends to be more often than not taking up the majority of the session is, mm-hmm. is through role-play. And I hope at the end of the day that the role-play is fun and that e- even though the story doesn't mm-hmm. advance much, it was still something that was enjoyable to do. It was. So that was what happened. This next session is basically going to be your guys' next move in the Growling Sanctuary. What is the next move? I have no idea. <laughs> No plans. Just no we'll wait plans. and see what happens. What happens see what the what other happens. two want to do. Yep. And of course, you know, the question is, do we? Do I start looking for a fourth or not? Uh, this is this is one of those things where podcast-wise... You've got a fourth. Well, I we have... I thought, haven't we got... A, someone's got someone lined up. Oh, as of this morning, Oraki was saying that she sent a Discord message saying that that person is now not an option because they just found oh, another okay. another group. So at this point, I've got to decide whether or not I'm going to go and find fourth person or not. And it, everything depends on in real life what's happening. So find that out soon enough. That's it. Otherwise, yes, that is in fact it. So we can close off this session and end by saying until next week. Catch you guys later. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back in just one week. 